Roll Tide, everybody. It's time for the Bama Sports Review Podcast with your host, Quincy Moran, the other Moran brother, Josh Moran. It's time to talk some BS. What do you mean BS? Bama Sports. Let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of the Bama Sports Review. It is I, one of your favorite Bama fans in the whole world, Quincy the Q-Dog Moran. And I am live with the man, the myth, the legend, Wild Bill. Uncle Bill, how are we doing today? Doing wonderful. And you? Man, I am so happy to be alive. I can't hardly stand myself. It's always a great day on Sunday following an Alabama victory on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the first time in a long time last week, we uh, had to remember how it feels to be like every other fan in the country when you lose. <laughs> but right. but uh, like you said, the sun did rise in Atala, Atala, and then the rest of the world. Alabama came back this week and uh, – you know, seemingly put on a show um, against Mississippi State. A couple things that I noticed uh, right offhand that uh, Mississippi State is no Texas A&M and, you know, Stark Vegas is not College Station. It, no, no matter how hard they try, they are just not the Aggies. And uh, fortunately, it was another version of Alabama. What was your thoughts of the game? Well, they, they looked a whole lot better. They looked focused. They were ready to play, like like you mentioned earlier. They they had to taste defeat to know what it felt like. And if you remember, Coach Saban in the post game last week said that he wanted the players to remember what that feeling was like. Yep. Losing. And so this past week in preparing for the next game, we had some leaders to step forth uh, because we had rumored around there was no leadership on the team. We had three or four guys. They wouldn't mention any names. The only name that was really mentioned was Will Anderson stepped forth and challenged the team. But there were, from what I've understood, there were three others uh, that have challenged the team to, to stand up and be accountable on every play. So yep. we saw a different version of Alabama uh, last night than we've seen really all year. Cindy and I were talking earlier uh, about they, they seem to play more as a team last night. Uh, they played a complete game last night, more so than they had all year. And uh, uh, the statistics proved out uh, to show that. Other than uh, I didn't realize, but Mississippi State actually ran five more plays than we did. They ran 74. We ran 69. But we had 543 yards offense, and they had 299. So it was an improvement. Uh, I, I don't know if you've looked at them yet, but uh, with all the quarterback sacks uh, brought into the equation, they had minus one yard rushing. For the game. 
Uh, yeah, that that uh, is uh, seconds than we did. That definitely and, stood out to me. There, um, I mean, I saw some you know offensive production when it came to running the football, but I do know that uh, the same man who stood up to challenge the football team was the same man that stood up to challenge Mississippi State's offensive line, and he won challenge after challenge, and uh, he put a beat former uh, Alabama player. What was his last name? Lashley? Lashley, yes. Lashley. Oh, man. He he put a good old-fashioned whooping on that dude. I mean, he was just dominating him all day. And uh, the quarterback, I know, Mississippi State's quarterback was just none too happy. I was telling Jeannie um, when they were, like, during the game and they showed, uh, like, part of the part of the interview with Will Anderson, he was standing at the microphone and they said, what did you say to the team? And he just kept looking in the camera, (laughs) shaking his head. And, and to me, that said everything. He was kind of running through the conversation and saying, no, I can't say that out loud. I can't say this out loud. I really can't say that either. Um, but whatever I said was definitely an impact. <laughs> and, uh, and it showed, I guess, I guess it's one of those things, you know, when every locker room from year to year is different because you're always looking for somebody to, uh, to rise up and, and to be the leadership that's so critical when it comes to, to playing. I mean, e- even when I coached football, you, there's only so much you can do to lead. You need, you need leadership within the team and uh, I guess after that Florida win, um, Will Anderson had some things to say, but he didn't feel like they took him serious. So I guess, as you could say, those chickens came home to roost. It's in the past, but it was definitely a wake-up call. I, I still saw plenty of cause for concern just kind of looking forward to a, an Auburn defense or a Georgia defense, and who who even knows what Tennessee brings. But I was – I was pleasantly. They'll bring, they'll bring their mustard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised um, and just very. Because the effort was like, you know, we're, we're just not going to make that mistake again. And so they did not play down to what they thought the record of the other team was. They played up to Alabama standard and the defense I mean, I, I even saw myself just making some notes during the game, and obviously Will Anderson went off like a wild man. And then Jordan Battle, just to me, had an excellent game as far as um, his playing, his tackling seemed like it was full of tackling fuel. Um, it was great. So, I mean, there was uh, – some of that was definitely on display. The defense that we've been looking for, you know, Toho Toho, um, everybody seemed to tackle mostly, which speaks to how you prepare during the week because it takes a lot of mental focus to tackle, especially when you're running wide open. So I was really happy about that. And like you said, when it came to, uh, you know, rushing, I, I don't know about me, but I always go down and look at, uh, at the rushing line to see how we did as opposed to how they did. And for them to have minus one, about how the game went for Mississippi State. I mean, they have a they have a good team, but 
I think they're probably a lot more one-dimensional than, say, a Texas A&M who really, really has a solid run threat. Um, right. And to keep a to keep a Mike Leach team, you know, down under 80, 90, or 100 plays, chances are when you can do that, you're going to win. Even though they had some really big plays down the field on either side throwing those back shoulder fades, which drive me crazy um, that we just can't seem to defend them well. Um, we don't have all in all. What's that? To look for the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we got, I mean, I would say with three guys and sometimes four, we got a, a, a lot of pressure on the quarterback, which makes a big difference. And it's really an assist for the guys downfield that are trying to cover because that, you know, that cornerback in safety position is extremely difficult. Um, it's, it's hard to handle, you know, and when the quarterback's under duress, it's good news because how many sacks did Alabama end up getting? Was it seven or eight? Seven. Man, number seven, huh? Yes. Um, so what, what was it, um, in the first half that, that, stood out to you i think it was uh for me it was the john mechie show in the first half which i extremely proud i don't know why i'm so pro john mechie i just love it when he catches the ball and then for as much speed as jameson has it seems like mechie has definitely got his own uh rocket boosters as well yeah but mechie mechie he's liable just try to run over you as he had by you that's right that's right the intensity that they played with you talk about the defense me and Cindy was talking uh, uh, during the game it seemed like that's the first game where really that you've seen our defense really hit somebody yeah it's just grabbing and dragging them down they actually were hitting people and I think goes back to like you were talking about the week of practice because Coach Saban had told on his radio show Thursday night that uh, this was the best week of preparation that they've had this season. Uh, and that, it showed. I mean, it, it definitely showed, even though I have, you know, cause for concern. And sometimes I just uh, – I think sometimes I'm just too picky because I want Alabama to – to play to that level of perfection. I mean, they to nine points. I, I would say that the defense really, really did a great job. It, I, to me, it was the essence of bend, but don't break. You know, they played great when they got into the red zone and shut them down for field goals, which is, is more impressive now that I look back at it. You know, I, I just hate for anybody to score on Alabama. I guess that's me just being a big time Homer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think they stepped up. I think we're headed in the right direction and um, everything. But they but they did have a good week of uh, practice. But uh, uh, as I looked over the stats earlier, the one that uh, uh, really stuck out to me was we completed uh, 75% of our third down conversions. We were 12 of 16. That is fantastic. I know he, he, he even mentioned that in the – press conference that that was one of the impressive pieces of the of the game was that 12 for 16 and third down and I mean when you 
when you can take three downs to get a first down and then pop a big one, you you are definitely doing something right when you don't have to get worried about, you know, third and short, third and medium, even third and long at times. I don't know. I don't know what the what the makeup was of, you know, what was distance, but even at third and six or more, Alabama still has the weapons it needs to get the football out to the right place. And just, you know, you need six, they can get 12 or 13. So that, that in itself has a tendency to start breaking the will of a defense and then uh, just running the ball at will just seems to finish the job. Yes. And if you notice, uh, Roy Dale is coming on each game. He sure is. He better and he's getting better. And, and I think that goes back to Brian Robinson's really been helping him in practice because he knows now that he's second man up. He's got to be ready to go. Yeah. And, you know, early in the season, uh, say, you know, the first and second game, it, there was a question of who was really going to rise up just from our point in the backfield. And I got to tell you, I'm a humongous Brian Robinson Jr. fan. The guy just uh, he's just growing into his own. And I know every single game they mentioned he had to wait. He had to wait. He had to buy his time, which he did. I mean, he played behind Najee and Najee, you know, will go down as one of the all-time greats in Alabama history. So, um, but Brian Robinson is really coming into his own. And he, he, I think he, I don't know if he's a silent leader, but I know just based on watching him, he leads by action and he brings a certain amount of confidence to the team when he's on the field, just based on the way that he runs and I was happy to I was happy to see us, you know, get in close to the goal line and decide to run the football this week. That that was a plus for me. It, uh, they 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 they're coming on. I think we've turned the corner to where we're going to see a different Alabama. Are we going? We made it. Hey, ain't no technical difficulties going to slow us down. Oh, no. We got to keep on moving. All right. I'm going to reframe the question. Um, when it came to those technical difficulties that shut us down, Uncle Bill. So, Wild Bill. Um Check this out. We have uh, some listener questions that uh, they would like answers to, which is awesome anytime you get participants in. And uh, my friend Dietra from high school, who is a listener of the program, has a question. And her question is, why? what's our opinion, what's our take on Bryce Young not running the football, like not being a proactive runner. Why is he not running the ball like we all thought he would? What are your thoughts there? He was, uh, he was wanting the other players to be involved. He, he didn't want to be a runner. He wants to distribute the ball to the play as he calls them the other playmakers 
and he yeah. only wants to be running when it's necessary for him to run because he thinks that the playmakers that they have with the running backs and the receivers can make better plays once he gets the ball. So he wants to be the distributor of the ball. Now that, I mean, that would speak to this guy's, you know, reputation of being just a fantastic teammate, like a selfless leader, if you will. Um, and, you know, it seems like as young as he is, uh, I, and I have, you know, I had some, uh, had some opinions of my own and, but I have nothing, you know, I have no credibility in those. Just, uh, I didn't know if maybe he was like saving, um, the meat of his ability to run for the future. Like when we're going to need it, say against Georgia or Auburn or, you know, in the playoffs, the national championship or whatever, if we get that far. And then it was also a question of durability because, you know, uh, those are where my thoughts kind of kind of lingered I would say you know just looking at what happened with Tua he had the ability to throw the ball he made great decisions he had great running backs and um, he did run the ball you know definitely more than uh, than Bryce has and I think he kind of physically paid the price for it Um, well and it could be the the coaching staff don't want him running a whole lot not just you know if it's an, a need case uh, to get a pivotal first down or not, because I believe we have a pretty good drop off behind him. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, but like we discussed, we're not the coaching staff, but just from what I've read here uh, in Alabama in the paper and reading uh, other articles, he wants to distribute the ball to the playmakers. Um, yeah. That, that that would just speak to his reputation. I would say his reputation precedes him. He is uh he's he it's just uncommon how cool he is as a redshirt freshman. I told Josh that it felt like Bryce was like Mac Jones ready for his first start. That's just kind of the poise as a freshman that he's shown because, you know, Mac had his own list of problems when he was a freshman, (laughs) you know, and uh, obviously he's overcome those. He's matured and he's out, you know, making a career for himself in the NFL. But Bryce seems to have a different style composure. um, And maybe he's just a really intelligent guy, not just, you know, not just, educationally but as far as his street smart goes to say hey you know i see these things happening and he has a he has a very uh dependable sense of uh maturity in my opinion and doesn't seem like he gets shook up too much i know you know like in the the texas a&m game they talked about which they need things just like we need things i guess to talk about so it makes sense but they talked about him uh having the most uh, the most number of passes since he started and being off target. And yeah. uh, I would say that, you know, he had the same problem that Mississippi State's quarterback had on Saturday, which was gallons, vats, um, 
bags full of duress because he was under duress in that Texas A&M game. But, you know, he he definitely uh, had a couple really solid runs against Mississippi State. And uh, if nothing else showed the teens in, in, in our uh, in our future that they will have to account for him um, because he did turn yeah. the speed on and he is such a smooth like a smooth runner when he has the ball and he's running downfield. Um, darn near scored himself a touchdown, which was yeah. a brilliant run. I thought it was fantastic. So, well, now he and he has given a lot of credit to, to Mac Jones, really working with him and helping him last year when Mac, uh, even being the starting quarterback last year, uh, he's given a lot of credit with Mac helping him to adapt to the college game. And, I mean, you know, you think about it, he's only started, what, six games? Uh, seven now? Big, yes. Or seven, how, whatever. Are we five and one or six and one? Six and uh, one, yes, sir. Uh, adjusting to the speed of the college from high school. Yeah. As quarterback, That's you may think that you've got a a running lane available, and all of a sudden, you've got a couple of linebackers waiting on you. Uh, yeah. Or you didn't have that in high school. But but he gave an awful lot of credit to Mac, really helping him last year while he was uh, behind him. And he and Mac had the, you know, he had the pleasure, if it's called that, he had the pleasure of, of working behind a couple of uh, extraordinary quarterbacks with Jalen Hurts. And uh, Tua Tungabaloa. So he, there was a lot for him to learn and adapt to and to watch. And Mac was just ready when it was, when his number was called. And, and Bryce is ready once his number is called. I think it's a good, in my opinion, like a really good life lesson to do your time, get things done, continue to grow as a human being, and, and understand that life is going to call your number at some point. So you need to be ready to answer the call right and, uh, you know bryce young he has definitely definitely done that and the future is definitely bright for alabama you know for a lot of reasons but definitely for a man of character like him uh, i'm a big fan i'm a big fan and um uh, well Dietra, i hope that uh that answers your question my thought was durability and scheme uncle bill's research Wild Bill's research has told him that uh, he wants to be a distributor to the other playmakers. Um, so maybe it's a mix of those, but definitely what, you know, just a great young man, great young man, full of character, great leadership, and wants to showcase his playmakers because Lord knows he's got a ton of them right. for the Crimson Tide. Well, let's let's talk about a few more things that happened around the league. Uh, Tennessee started a new tradition. Um, it's called the Tennessee trash toss. And, uh, you know, coming to, uh, Neyland stadium at Rocky top near you. What'd you think about that, buddy? That's just classless Tennessee fans. What can I say? Yeah. I mean, but I, I, I still Cindy and I can't figure out who would have had a squeeze mustard bottle in the stands to throw. <laughs> And why would you bring golf balls into the stadium? Yeah. 
if I've got golf balls, that's because I'm going to the golf course to play to play around the golf. It's not they cost too much to throw at a coach down on the sidelines. In this day and time, you're right. But, I just I, you figure everybody would have ordered popcorn and then you know if anything right. throw popcorn. But, not that I advocate for throwing stuff on the field. Uh, that, that's that's not uh, uh, that's not cool to do that. People could get hurt. Um, now, but it cost them two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So, and I did hear them tell on the uh, six o'clock news on the sports uh, they have arrested several of the students. They do have the video, the evidence of of some of them that was doing the throwing, and they have, uh, I think it was eight or nine that they've arrested and uh, several more that they're looking for. Wow. So, but there well, was more than 17 or 18 throwing stuff. No doubt. And uh, the show is too young in its inception for us to give out the knucklehead award or something like that. But right. if, it, I guess from now on, if, if a team does something really stupid, we'll just call it the Tennessee award. Because uh, <laughs> Tennessee, you earned it, you bunch of goons. You throwing <laughs> trash on the field. Uh, oh gosh it, unfortunate could, you could call it the kneeling knucklehead award there it is I'm, you know what cue the music the kneeling knucklehead award let me do that <laughs> i love it yeah so that uh, but uh but uh i did uh quincy i did want to uh i believe it was josh uh one on one of the segments you or him wanted mentioned about the uh one of the freshman wide receivers, the Hall Boy, um, H A L L, one of the uh, the wide receivers, because uh, he's not getting to play that much. Okay. Uh, John Mechie had a little chat with him to bide your time, stay with the yeah. process, and uh, your time will come. So uh, that's awesome. Uh, he had been. I guess he had been complaining about playing time, but uh, I read an article about it that uh, on uh, my Bleacher Report, John Mechie told him, just stay with the process. Your time will come. So I thought I'd give that info since uh couldn't remember if it was you or Josh had brought his, his name up. Yeah, it might have been Josh. That And that's good to hear, you know, um, there's not a whole lot of that, you know, doing your time right. in this day and time, you know, and I kind of have, I've, I did talk to Josh about that too. You know, um, there's, there's something to be said about, you know, buying your time and making sure that you put your time in where your commitment is. But I kind of, I kind of do understand some of the, some of the players who want to transfer because the coach can leave at any time, but it's good that, it's good that a voice like John Mechie is there for the younger players who are expecting instant gratification. And it's just not, that's not how it goes all the time. You know, it's like me starting a podcast and um, like my man versus marriage podcast and just thinking, you know, these people who've had success, they're, they're not an overnight success. It takes time. It takes attention. It takes blood, sweat, and tears. It takes consistency. 
And it takes you being dedicated to make yourself better at what you do. By the time you reach that level of success, um, there's a lot of work that's unseen that goes into it. Right. So, you know, I just, it's an honorable thing, in my opinion, for John Mechie to share with him, you know, do your time. It, it's almost even like what we were talking about earlier. It's like, you know, put the work in because life is going to call your number and you just want to be ready. You don't want to have any excuses on why you're not. So I appreciate you bringing Mac, that up. Matt gave done his due time and look what it rewarded him with. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I didn't see this other, you know, for more news around the SEC, I didn't see this take place, but Amber um, reached out to me and asked that if we would talk about it on the show and I'll, with Josh not being here and you seeing what happened, uh, I'll have to defer, defer to uh, your knowledge of the situation, but something happened with a punch in Georgia. Um, can you fill us in on that? Well, I don't know what caused the punch. I just know the CBS announcers uh, brought it about. Uh, Kentucky scored a touchdown there late in the game, and Georgia blocked the extra point. And after the tackle was made, the guy picked the ball up. To the Georgia guy picked it up and run it, and they tackled him. And something happened, and one of Georgia's players threw a punch. Uh, um, it showed Kirby talking with him over on the sideline, but uh, the official was standing right there, but no flag was thrown. And uh, against the players, he's one of their defensive uh, horses up front. Um, but my question was, is the SEC office going to do anything to the player is Kirby going to do anything to the player because the way that I look at it is if this is allowed to to happen one time and nothing's done it's just like anything else when you're growing up if you get away with stuff all the time you're going to keep doing it why yeah why is this player not going to be dealt with punishment wise yeah, what are the consequences of those actions? I couldn't believe that he threw the punch and he was not ejected from the game. So, I wow. mean, I mean that's, that's what I know. I saw it when they showed the replay because I was watching the game when it happened. So, uh, we'll just have to see if anything comes from it. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be interesting to see because typically if you're throwing a punch, you know, that is your first-class one-way ticket to getting kicked out of the game. So that's interesting. Um, so. We'll see. We'll see next week if, uh, if anything becomes of it. And uh, if there, if there's any news, I can't imagine. Um, I can't imagine if, you know, he was in the wrong and something like that happened, that there wouldn't be a consequence for that action. And so we'll see, we'll see what, uh, what becomes of it there. Um, oh, and you know, LSU's looking be looking for a new coach. What's the latest on that? They've agreed they're parting ways at the end of the season. They've uh, Orgeron and LSU has reached an agreement. I think they're going to pay him seventeen million dollars to to buy this contract, but it's already a done deal. Wow! 
he will be gone at the uh, end of this season. He so. went from Coach uh, Coach O to Coach O U T. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. He gone. Well, um, there's all kinds of things talked about, you know, that it, that could have potentially or maybe did or allegedly happened after he won that uh, national championship. Um, but it's a shame. He was the darling of the of the nation when he won the national championship a couple years ago. But, you know, you're only as, uh, as good as your latest success and a little bit of failure. Man, I, I tell you what, it can get you kicked out pretty quick. Yes, sir. So what is this uh, I'm to understand about, I mean, with all the garbage officiating um, around the league, and, man, I, you know, it's it's hard for me to say that in one a- aspect because I, I coached, but I was never an official. So let me just pile on. Two things. This Auburn fumble, what happened there? The the – Arkansas defender had the Auburn running back in his grasp. He picked him up, and on the way to the ground, the running back dropped the ball. Arkansas recovered. They were on all. They would have had the ball on Auburn's fifteen-yard line, but they ruled it wasn't a fumble after wow. review. So I don't know. But uh, you hear too many coaches say there's one or two plays in a ball game that can make a big difference, and that that one play could have made a big difference in the outcome of that ball game. I'm not I'm not saying that it did, but it could have. But but I I've always been under the impression if you got the ball but you don't come down with the ball in your possession, it's a fumble. Yeah, that's typically how it goes. If the ball comes loose and it stays in bounds, and the the next man to recover the football, his team gains possession of the football. But it's not so when it comes to Auburn. Maybe there's a special set of rules. That's what my wife says. <laughs> well, that's there are I... a special. There's a special set of something if you're going to be a stinking Auburn fan, anyway. <laughs> so, which brings me to my next frustration because even when when there's review that's your opportunity to get the call right to confirm it you know what i'm saying yes and i know we were ahead in the game but i'm i was beside myself slate bolden made an exceptional catch and they decided to review it not only they decided to review it they overturned it when clearly a knucklehead like me can watch all the different angles that they offer. I'm sure the referee to see that he, that he uh, maintained control as he hit the ground and he stopped the ball from touching the ground by wrapping his, his hand around the nose of the football and he main, he maintained possession. So how in the world does that become an incomplete pass when they have uh, review to ensure that, that the wrong call is not made and they call it incomplete. I was beside myself. I don't I don't know because Greg McElroy and Joe Tessitore and even the uh, the rules official that they have with them as uh, whoever it is, all three of them said it was a catch. 
this, so maybe they were maybe they were watching the replay of the Auburn game and just made a mistake in <laughs> Birmingham. I don't know. Well, they might they make a lot of them in Birmingham. So <laughs> I'm telling you what, man. I this year I don't know what I don't know if it is just excessive from years past, but since I coached the offensive line for a while, um, and I did some offensive coordinating for a while, I just tend to watch the action in the trenches. And I I cannot tell you I know holding happens on every play. I understand. I agree with that. But the the amount of holding that is just outright blatant in front of a referee that is standing there that doesn't get called on Alabama, it baffles me. I mean, it baffles me. And the and these long, you know, plays are allowed to uh are allowed to carry on. And just watching the replay, I don't, I mean, you can see clearly that they are standing right in front of the, the, the official and a jersey's getting pulled or an offensive lineman is tackling one of our defensive linemen or they've got them hooked around the neck and it's holding just clearly and the calls don't get made. So um, I know there's a lot of action happening, but that's what your profession is. So be a professional and get the calls right. Because they're getting paid to make the calls. Yeah. Yeah. Just it, it I don't know. Well, let's um let's wrap this up here. Uh Amber, I hope you uh I hope you're happy with uh the discussion we had around Tennessee and uh the Bulldog punch. Um Dietra, I hope uh I hope you like what you heard. Um, and if not, go ahead and just you and Amber, let us know what your thoughts are, um, on our take for, uh, you know, what we talked about today when it comes to Bryce Young, not running as much as we anticipated the Georgia punch and the Neyland knucklehead award, uh, (laughs) for the Tennessee trash toss. Now, before we, uh, wrap up the show, I just want to, uh, talk about what our predictions were. They were much better than the week before with Texas A&M, so there was a lot of redemption all over the board. Um, it looks like Josh had the score 42-35. to 35. Uh, Had it 38-24. I had it 34-13. And Mr. Austin Dash, the Mountaineer man, had it 48-28. So, looks like uh, we definitely... Everybody gave uh, Mississippi State a bit more offensively than uh, Alabama's defense allowed. And then uh, some of us were a little too stingy. And Josh and Austin, you know, they gave the tide their due um, with going over 40, which, you know, I I was proud of. Definitely proud of the offense for uh, getting in there and making things happen. Yes. All right, so what we go predict for this week? Well, before forty-two to fourteen. Oh, you're you just already coming with it. Hold on, just a minute here. (laughs) Forty-two, fourteen. Before, um, before we were, uh, I guess I didn't tell you this in the beginning, but uh, I wanted to give a super special shout out to Alabama softball. Um, 
couple of months ago, Hunter wrote uh, Bailey Hemphill a letter, and we sent it off. Hadn't heard anything, but today in the mail, we uh, we got some kind of a letter. I haven't opened it yet from Bailey herself to Hunter. Oh, so wow. I thought that was just really awesome. Coach Pat Murphy, um, he's written Hunter back once or twice, and uh, the Alabama cheerleading squad has written Hunter back. Um, we sent uh, we sent some letters. Uh, to Coach Saban and uh, his assistant sent us a box of Alabama goodies back. So just a, a major shout-out to all Alabama athletics, especially the softball team. They're just kind enough to forward our letters, and um, and we get them back. And so I'm excited to see what this card looks like that Bailey sent Hunter. And he's a huge anyway. So oh. – um, I'll let you know how that goes. I'll I'll open it, you know, a little bit later with him and see what he thinks. So, good. Deal. I mean, if we're predicting forty-two to fourteen, um, Alabama, Tennessee, change it to forty-two to ten. Forty-two ten. I will change it. Um, one thing I really like about this matchup is that it's at home. Yes. The other thing I really like about this matchup is it's Tennessee. Now, I know there's people out there that talk about, well, it can't be a rivalry, you know, if the other team hasn't, you know, had the guts to compete or hasn't hasn't made it interesting. But coming off of, uh, coming off of that Alabama-Texas A&M game, I really, really look for the Tide to double down on their ability to score and play defense and them, you know, reiterating that commitment to the world, to the foot college football world. And uh, I believe that they're going to be able to, uh, you know, have a solid win. I'd say 42 to 10 is definitely um, a solid win. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to go. 52-13 Alabama. 52-13. The Q-Dog. Now, Josh isn't here, and the Mountaineer man didn't join us this weekend. Hopefully, he comes back on the program uh, at some point, whenever you want to bring him back on, and we'll talk some more football with him. How does his team, How did his team do over the weekend? They didn't play nobody. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. He told us. He, uh, he predicted a seven-point win on their bye week. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Um, well, I'm uh, I'm glad that uh, we got one in. I know this week was super difficult. If y'all didn't know this, I mean, um, Josh had plans on Saturday, wasn't able to watch the game. Um, I had some plans on Saturday, watch part of the game, and then watch the second half of the game at like 5 in the morning, the first half truly. Uh, like five in the morning on Sunday, but then there was some miscommunication due to some travel. So uncle Bill and I got together and then whatever it was, the uh, tech gods, lowercase G of course, uh, saw fit to uh, shut us down, but we found a way to bring it back and finish this one up. What do you think uncle Bill? That's right. I'm just glad you know what you're doing. <laughs> well, I guess that remains to be seen, <laughs> but, but uh, uh, because I, I enjoy this, it, I love doing this podcast. Um, just 
just getting together, talking about Alabama football and, and the sports to come. Definitely love that, uh, that episode where you and Josh were talking basketball. I look forward to other things. And what's really cool is we now have our listeners, you know, asking what, uh, what we think about different parts and aspects of the game. So, um, I love one more side note, uh, uh, Another boy from Thompson High School committed to Alabama today. He had committed to Miami. He's one of the top cornerbacks in the country. Oh. He he pledged to the Tide. So that's him and Jeremiah Alexander, both from Thompson. That uh, beautiful. What are his measurables? Any idea? Uh, he's like 6'1". Uh, 190, I think, something like that. Beautiful. They say that he has long arms. He has great cover skills, according to what I've read. So, big ball game Friday night in Hoover. Hoover's number two in the state. Thompson's number one in seven, eight. Both of them's undefeated. Oh, my gosh. That is going to be something else. Number two against number one. Yeah, seven, and they're eight. the same region, too. My goodness! Since when? I, the when I was in high school, I just thought it went up to six A. I didn't know there was a seven A. Yeah, they uh, Gaston City here in Gaston. They're seven A. They're in the same region. It's uh, Tuscaloosa County, Thompson, Oak Mountain, Hoover, Spain Park, Vestavia. Wow! You at Trust on Gaston City. That's some uh, that's some big names and some big old talent pools, um, and I'm glad to hear that Alabama is going to keep another guy home, so he can go and run for the tide instead of going to Miami and wasting his time. Come yeah, on! Right. So, uh... <laughs> all right, brother. Well, this has been a great episode. I know we had some challenges, man. I I'm uh, I'm happy we finished it up, and Me too. I'll get this dude out there and and get it all edited up and. We'll get it rocked out, brother. All right. All right. Until the next one. Roll Tide.